Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. Today on the show, we got Canada's finest, eh? Alex LeBay. He's on with us from Quebec to talk about his career, how racing is in Canada. It's a really cool racing culture up there, so I'm excited for you guys to hear about that. Plus, Kyle Larson won again. No, this is not a scheduled podcast, but he does it again in Nashville. We'll talk about that, chat a little bit about Pocono. But before that, we're paying homage to a very, very well-known and historical figure in NASCAR who should be in the Hall of Fame, but I fear will never get his day. Papa Siegel has more in this week's Wayback segment. Thank you, Du, for indulging me last week for my long homage to Bobby Allison. And welcome everyone to this week's episode 113. Today we're focusing the Wayback Machine on a legendary NASCAR mechanic, engine builder, car owner, and character. Henry Smokey Eunuch flew a B-17 Flying Fortress on 52 missions over Europe and the Pacific during World War II. After the war was over, he packed his bags, moved south to Daytona Beach, and opened Smokey's Best Damn Garage in Town. No sufferer of triskaidekaphobia, look it up, Duve, Eunuch was famous, among other things, for sporting the number 13 on his cars. He won two NASCAR championships as crew chief for Herb Thomas, and also won an Indy 500 in 1960 as crew chief for Jim Rathman. Eunuch was a genius when it came to finding horsepower and creative when it came to the rule book. They were different times, my friends, and Smokey was a master of building his cars and engines based not only on what the rules said, but what they didn't say. For example, the early rule book specified the maximum size of a fuel tank, but didn't say anything about the temperature of the fuel. So, Smokey would supercool his fuel down as much as possible which allowed him effectively to put more gas into the tank. NASCAR specified fuel temperatures after they figured that one out. Similarly, the early rules didn't say anything about the size of fuel hoses, so Eunuch famously installed a regulation-sized fuel tank with an anaconda-like fuel line that was 2 inches wide and 11 feet long. It gave his cars an extra 5 gallons, until NASCAR caught on and regulated it. Lastly, you may not know that NASCAR had a deflate gate scandal before the NFL. Smokey caused it when he put an inflated basketball inside an oversized fuel tank. When filled with gas, the tank appeared to be legal and passed inspection. After inspection, Smokey would deflate and remove the ball from the tank, giving his car more fuel. Again, until NASCAR caught on. Eat your heart out, Tom Brady. But don't think that Eunuch was just a trickster. He was a true innovator and held nine patents. 
Still, Unique's creativity and abrasive manner didn't sit well with Big Bill France. The two of them rarely saw eye to eye, and some go so far as to say they flat out hated one another. That may explain why Smokey Eunuch is yet to be inducted into NASCAR's Hall of Fame. I think it's the biggest snub so far. That's all for today. Back to you, Duve. Thank you, Dad. Yes, thank you for keeping it shorter, sweeter, and uh, you're welcome for indulging you last week. I also forgot to mention something. If you guys remember last week, my dad talked about the one time he met Bobby Allison at Dover uh, and basically just you know shook his hand, was able to say hello and thank you for everything he's done. I was with him for that, and I was really young, but I remember it pretty vividly. For some reason, I don't know why, because I never leave the race early. I never leave any sporting event early. For some reason that day, my dad and I left the race early. We're walking out of the grandstand. I remember it was loud because the race was going on. And my dad said, that's Bobby Allison. And I was like, okay, I know the name, but I don't know anything about him. Because I was, you know, eight, nine, ten years old at this point. And he went over, shook his hand, and he introduced me because my name is Davey. Obviously, Bobby's late son, Davey. And I think Bobby got a kick out of that. And I'm not named after Davey Allison. My dad talked about that, I think, in a prior episode. But I just remember that, and it was a really cool moment. So Bobby Allison last week, Smoney Eunuch this week. Let's start off this episode, as we always do, with a good (laughs) old-fashioned... Race recap, breaking news. Kyle Larson wins his fourth straight race overall, dominates Nashville, the man is just on another planet right now. This time at a track that nobody had ever been to, right? So it's not like he had notes to go off of. It's not like he could, you know, do all these different testing dates and all this different stuff. He just went out and whooped them again. And instead of having him break down the race that he won, which he's done on this show the past three weeks, how about we hear from him about the fans? And the fans are taking a big liking to Larson as he's returned to full-time Cup Series racing this year. He does a ton of racing. If it's on dirt, on asphalt, concrete, dirt late models, sprints, stock cars, whatever, he just does it all. Why does he think that the fans take a liking to him and are enjoying his success so far this season? Well, it's still just early on, so it could change. But um, I think I think fans can appreciate me because I do it in in all different types of forms of racing not just nascar um you know i you don't know what day you, you don't know what car i'm going to be in and on what day of the week you know so um i could be in a sprint car like i will be tomorrow in a, in a late model you know middle of the week some other day so and then a cup car on on sunday so um i think fans you know because i'm a little bit different than than your normal race car driver i think that's why f- why fans so far seem to still you know, cheer me on and like see me winning. And, um, you know, I think, too, I think, you know, they, they can appreciate my story and, and how hard I've had to work to come and get to where I'm at today, uh, too. So I think there's a lot that goes into it, and, and I hope – I appreciate the fan support, and I like being a fan favorite. Um, it's, it definitely means a lot to me. How about crew chief Cliff Daniels, huh? Four wins in a row for him as well, and he is riding Larson's right now. I, I was going to say riding his coattails, but he's not because Larson wouldn't be able to be doing this without Cliff Daniels, who is having an unbelievable season right now. And I'm telling you, I mean, I don't want to say this is the next Chad and Jimmy, but 
it's hard to not think about it the way that they're looking right now and the way that Hendrick's looking as well. Cliff Daniels is not resting on his laurels just yet, though. They're still looking ahead to the rest of the year. We're still, you know, searching every week, and, and we identify things on a Monday. Um, I know Kyle's nature. He's going to come in and meet with us, or we may do it over video conference. I can't remember, tomorrow or Tuesday. And uh, he's going to identify things that he can do better. I'm going to identify things that I can do better. Um, and, and really, that's kind of the mentality of our whole team. We, we search a lot every week. Uh, guys, you know, call me uh, sad or grumpy at the shop trying to just make sure that we uncover every detail that we can uh, just to make sure we don't miss something. And um, we, we missed a little something in qualifying today. I was sad about that. Kyle and I talked about it. We uh, made sure we had good stuff under him for the race. Um, but look, all teams are working really hard right now to make sure that they can bring their best stuff to the racetrack. Our team is certainly doing that. And uh, we just have a really heightened sense of awareness. We know at any point we get comfortable, uh, you know, that's when the competition's really going to catch up, and then they're going to do more than just catch up. So uh, it's amazing to have the, the wave that we're riding, and uh, I can promise you we're going to keep our foot on the gas and, and do what we can to keep it going. I mentioned Kyle Larson racing whenever, wherever, in whatever, however he wants. And Rick Hendrick, the team owner, he hasn't let his drivers do much of that stuff in the past. So why has he changed his stance now with Larson? Well, you know, I've let Chase do races and uh, and Alex, and so I I basically told them, you know, if you get hurt, I got to put somebody in the car. So I think as we get closer in the playoffs, I think we'll slow some of it down. But I think uh, Cliff and I have talked about it. You know, I think it makes him better to to drive all these different cars, and especially those high horsepower cars on dirt. And the, the one thing that, that Cliff has talked to me about is he spends as much time or more time than any other driver in the shop. So if he wants to race and he's, he's got this as a priority, and, I mean, he digs and digs and digs. It's all he thinks about. So, um, you, know, I, you know, I think he's happier. I want him happy. I don't want him, don't want him hurt. But, I've, you know, I've, I've kind of given up on these guys wanting to drive. And, and the crew chiefs and I have talked about it. They think it's, they think it's good, and the, the uh, safety deals are, are better. So I've, uh, I've told them all they can drive what they want to. Got to chat a little bit about the other series that were in action this past weekend at Nashville. KFB, Kyle Busch, baby, gets win number 100 in the Xfinity Series. It's been a long time coming. Finally gets her done. But now the question is, will he be done after this year? Because he originally said that he'd be done when he gets to 100. But then he said that Joe Gibbs sold races for him on the Xfinity side next year. But now we kind of backtracked on that. So who knows if he'll be done or not. He could have two races left this season, and that could be it. Bottom line is the undisputed, notorious KFB, king of the Xfinity series. Overall, just, um, you know, I knew that our car was really good, really fast. And if we could just get clear of those guys and I could run my own line and hit my own marks and stuff that I'd have the opportunity to drive away. And, uh, our car was a little bit better on the longer runs, you know, it wouldn't really fire off for about five, but, um, you know, once we got about 10 laps in, uh, it would really just, you know, keep going and, uh, be much faster than the rest of the guys. So, um, great car, uh, everybody at Joe Gibbs racing. Thank you. Toyota, uh, Mark Cronquist, uh, in the engine shop. I, I haven't mentioned his name in an awful long time, but he deserves it. Um, you know, and, and M&Ms of course, for their participation and, sponsoring us for uh you know my my last couple of years in xfinity racing and being able to get to this 100 mark so really really special and a uh, great day for for all the teams that i've worked with over the times um you know one of them 
the crew chiefs that I had back in my 05 season, 06 season came over and, and um, you know, from Hendrick Motorsports and came and said hello. So real nice to um, have worked with all those guys and, um, you know, get to where I'm at today. And in the truck series, it was another cup series driver who won that race. Ryan Priest does so, joins a pretty illustrious club. Ryan Newman, Casey Kane, Mike Skinner, and Robert Presley, they all won their first truck series race in their first truck series start. Ryan Priest also batting 1,000 right now. Did it for David Gillen Racing, Hunt Brothers Pizza on the, on the truck, sponsorship and support from KHI Management. And he mentioned, right, like he did not forget how to drive race cars or race trucks or modifieds, anything. He knows that he can win races, and that's why he does this, to win races. So it's good to get back in victory lane for the Connecticut driver. So a lot of you guys know that I've, I've lived – year to year, really week to week. I mean, that's been my MO uh, my entire racing career. But when I do get these opportunities, I capitalize. I think I've shown that. So um, all I can do is go out and try to win races like I tell everybody, whether it's a modified, a cup car, an Xfinity car, a truck, a go-kart, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to drive it to, to what I can get out of it and, and try to win because I love winning. Just real quick, I got to give a shout out to the Super Speedway in Nashville because I was among the people that just subscribed to the notion of, oh, the racing wasn't great there in the past. It'll be the same. New market, woohoo, but the racing itself won't be that great. I really, really like Sunday's race. I don't know if it was the best race of the year, but I, like, at times was literally thinking, this is an unreal race. Like, I like what I'm seeing. You know what I mean? Even though it was a race for second and the the, the outcome seemed determined from the get-go because Larson is just on another planet— I enjoyed watching the drivers slip and slide around in the 750 package. The rosin, resin, however you want to pronounce it, did a really good job. It had multiple grooves in all four corners. I, I enjoyed the race. It was it was a little long for me, so I'd like it to be 300 miles next year maybe. The traffic concerns, that is definitely an issue that needs to be ironed out. No doubt about it, but new market, first time in 37 years or whatever it was, NBC took over the broadcast. Maybe I'm biased because I, I freelance for them. I love their coverage, though. It just, I really enjoy NBC's coverage and they treat it professionally. Fox treats it more of an entertainment property, which is cool. That's fine. Like, that's their MO and that's good. Um, but I really liked what NBC did. I just liked the weekend overall. It was a good weekend of racing and I really enjoyed it. I can't wait to go back to Nashville next year. Hopefully, I'll be able to get out there. Before we throw it over to our interview with Alex LeBay, we have a sponsored read on the podcast for the second week in a row. Can I get an air horn for that? Yes, sir. So I want to tell you guys about Rhino Classifieds and give them a shout out because they came on the scene recently with a bang. They gave away Vaughn Gittin Jr.'s drift truck, and Rhino was created by the founder of Racing Junk because he wanted to create a more streamlined buying and selling application that kind of allowed users to just see what they wanted to see rather than all the ads that get in the way and all the random crap that nobody really wants. So why don't you head over to rhino.co, R-Y-N-O.co, and sign up for a free account and find the car part, race car, classic car, modified street machine, whatever it is you're looking for, or you can post yours. Rhino.co is where you get it classifies for racers built by racers and if you sign up for a free account post for free and you'll be entered in a chance to win a free badass utv that is a really cool promotion they're doing rhino.co go check them out 
interview time. Let's talk to Alex LeBay. What do you say? I mentioned he's Canada's finest NASCAR Xfinity Series competitor for a handful of years now. He's from Quebec. I learned how to pronounce that correctly. I think I did it well. Really nice guy, as obviously he is because he's Canadian. Has to be. Talked about the race and culture in Canada, how he got started, how the Pinty Series was a stepping stone to the Xfinity Series, but he never really expected to go Xfinity Series racing. It kind of just all happened at once. And he also low-key commutes from Canada to the States when it's not COVID times, that is, for races every single weekend. So, And even doing that now is a lot of COVID testing because Canada is a little bit more closed off than the U.S. is. So I really enjoyed the conversation with Alex. I, I enjoyed learning more about him. That's what I always enjoy on these podcasts and talking to people that may not get as much media coverage. So I hope you guys will enjoy it as well. Here he is, O Canada, Alex LeBay. Pleasure to welcome on to the podcast this week, Canada's Finest. It is Alex LeBay, <laughs> NASCAR Xfinity Series competitor for DGM Racing. It's good to talk with you, Alex. I don't think we've actually had like a one-on-one conversation, but you've been around the sport for a while, a long time now, veteran Xfinity Series competitor, so it's great to chat with you. What does somebody like you do on a random Tuesday in the summer getting <laughs> ready for Pocono this weekend? Um, it's pretty different all the time it depends like right now i'm back home but i usually stay in florida like every other week with my team but uh i just try to stay busy to stay stay busy we're working out and working on on iRacing a little bit especially when i'm going on new tracks and uh, working with my sponsors trying to make it everybody happy and uh, accommodate everybody back to the racetrack as uh, as we know now we uh, we can have a guest back at the racetrack so we're just trying to work on that part of the of the the weekends a little more so you just finished 17th at Nashville. First time going there for you. First time going there for a lot of people in Xfinity and NASCAR altogether. New market, new track. How do you think the whole weekend overall went for you? It wasn't bad. I mean, we struggled really hard with balance, but the uh, track was really fun. I really loved the track. Big track, but the race is like a short track, so we're moving around a lot and just trying to get the car to rotate the middle. And uh looks like, I mean, the the the, the uh, the surface looks like, I mean, it's the same owners as Dover, so I'm sure it's the exact mm-hmm. same concrete. I mean, you pick, we pick up a lot of rubber there under caution, and it got darker and darker when uh, we had some green flag runs. So no, it was really interesting, but like I said, I, 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 the, the, definitely the aspect I like the most is just the big track at races like a short yeah. track. So it was, it, was, it was a good time. Just wish we had a little better car, a little better balance. We, I mean, we, even in practice, we were really, really tight and way off on speed, so we made huge changes for Saturday, and uh, – we just uh, struggled back and forth from loose to tight all uh, all day on, on Saturday for race day. So it was a was a big struggle, but uh, we, we kept fighting. We kept our head in it, and we I mean we had a pretty solid finish. I think with considering what a well how all the entire weekend went. So people that may not know too much about you, they can obviously hear from your voice that you are not from America. You're from Canada, Quebec. It's it's pronounced Quebec, right? Not Quebec. Yep. Okay. Yeah, Good. Quebec. I didn't yeah, want to be a bad uh, American Quebec. and be like that. You know? <laughs> it depends. I don't. I don't really know what's the. <laughs> I mean, we we pre- we pronounce it different in French. So I, I, Quebec. Yeah. Quebec's fine. I'm, okay. I'm, Quebec, <laughs> it is. So people that may not know too much more about you, we're gonna have them learn a little bit. So let's start there. You're from Quebec and Nashville specifically. I feel like that would be a stark contrast from where you grow up, the culture that you know, and that got me thinking. You know, you've been around the circuit for a while now. NASCAR in general feels way different to me, at least from an outsider than maybe what you experienced growing up. I mean, 
Bristol, Martinsville, Darlington, Charlotte. These places are not like Quebec and where you call home. So how has the culture shock been like for you, specifically going to Nashville? Because I presume that was your first time there. And then just overall going to these southern tracks that NASCAR has and all over the country, really. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little different, but I'd say like even Canada here, we're I mean we're pretty Americanized. I mean, all the restaurants and everything, the culture right, is a little right. different. But I mean, like you're saying, definitely like a place like Nashville is a. Uh, it was it was a good time. It was my first, it was my second time there. I've been there once for a couple of days when we announced my first time with a my first deal with Canon back in fifteen or sixteen, and that was the only time I've been in Nashville before. But uh, no, it's it, it's really fun place. I feel like the vibe is great. There was it yeah. was fun to have. Like new people at the racetrack, and just—I mean, I, I just wish it was a little simp- simpler going in and out because it was a <laughs> there was some major traffic jams in and out for the yeah. fans. But uh, not, uh, I definitely, I definitely had a good experience there. Especially we, we we went downtown a little bit on on Thursday for an hour or two when they have, uh, get dinner there, and it's uh, it looks like it looks like a pretty a place where we could uh, could have some really a, a lot of fun. Maybe a weekend where we're not racing, trying trying to. I mean, we were so 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 we could go uh, go to bed a little later, but uh, I mean, we just yeah. trying trying to stay a little more disciplined there on race weekend. But it definitely, uh, definitely looks like a good time down there. Yeah, definitely did from the pictures and the videos that I saw. Did you have any trouble getting into the track? There was a lot of traffic jams that we heard. I mean, you're a driver. We should give you guys preferential treatment because <laughs> you are the show. But did you encounter any traffic jams or anything getting in on Saturday? Nope. No, it was, it was fine for for me. I mean, uh, we got there earlier in the morning, I guess. But good. Uh, we, I, I, I didn't have a, any problems, but I just saw a lot of videos and stuff going on yeah. the internet about it. <laughs> yeah. So I mentioned, right? You, you're from Canada. You're from Quebec. Quebecian, is that correct? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, Quebecer, Quebecian. I don't know. Probably Quebecer, Quebecer, Quebecian. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I've only been um, up north of the border a couple times in my life, and I've never gotten out to Quebec. So I want you to tell me, because I don't know, and the listeners as well a little bit about the racing culture in Canada overall, because we know the Pinty series, right? Great racing there. And we'll get to, to more of that, including your career, winning a championship there. But I don't think people fully understand what the racing culture, specifically stock cars is like in yep. Canada, because we see most sport like fans come out in droves, Michigan too. They cross the border. Fans come out from Canada all over Michigan. Right. But overall the entire country What's the racing culture like? Because Canada fans are rabid. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we got, we got. I think we got a really good fan base here for for racing fan base. I mean, even for uh, it goes back in the day. I mean, we guys were more like the fans. I feel like they were more road racing and Indy cars and Formula yeah. One back when Jill Villeneuve and all and uh, the, the Villeneuves went up and all that stuff. That it was it was really big here. But it, whenever we got that. That that uh, NASCAR nationwide race in Montreal, I think it turned out really good. There was a lot of fans there, and it it gave a lot of interest into the stock car part, the NASCAR part. So uh, I just wish we 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 still had a race here in Montreal. It was a huge event. Yeah. It was huge for people like I me. wish we did too. For, yeah, and it, I felt I felt like that even the American, even you guys really love, really enjoy coming here because I mean it it's, awesome. it's a unique place. I mean, in Montreal, there uh, right, right downtown on the island. It's a uh, something that, that you don't see often in racing <laughs> a site like uh like montreal has but uh no i feel like we we got a really solid fan base here i mean even even quebec ontario ontario is pretty strong too in stock cars they got a bunch of different series and uh oh it's it's uh it's pretty cool it means pretty i mean yeah, like i said i think the best example just to, just to look at the that montreal race we had the, the fans that came there was it was insane it was always a huge event so uh yeah i think we're uh, we're um uh, 
Yeah, we're, 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 it's definitely not as big as hockey. I mean, hockey's is <laughs> 500% bigger and everything here, but oh, uh, yeah, I feel like, yeah. I feel like racing is, uh, is, is, is a good part of, uh, of the, the sports race man here in Quebec and Canada. Yeah. I definitely want to talk about Montreal a little bit more. Definitely want to talk about street racing, but I want to talk about you first. I mean, I think I read that you got into racing when you were young, maybe six years old, go-karting. Um, yep. but how, how did you start that? Did you have a passion that grew out of nothing? Did your, did your dad do it? Was it a family activity? How did you get started in racing at such a young age? Yeah, my, my dad, all, I mean, he's never really raced, but he's always been involved in, uh, racing more like gotcha. dirt stock, dirt, dirt stock car, dirt modifies there. Well, since, since I was, uh, since I was born, I mean, before I was born, he was, uh, he had some friends racing some modifieds and he was helping them and sponsoring them. And he always brought us at the racetrack. Then, uh, one, one day I, when I think I was around six years old, we just wanted to do some go-karts for fun with, with, with friends. And it just, uh, escalated from there. We, we started racing competitively that the year after. So when I was seven and, uh, Never looked back. I mean, I've been I've been racing my entire life, all, all my summers since I've since I've been seven years old. So that, that's pretty much the uh, the only thing I know, and uh, <laughs> dedicating my life to it for sure. But uh, I I don't really I don't regret anything. That's why I'm I'm still out there trying to chase that dream, trying to trying to make it at the top. <laughs> so I think I also read somewhere you had three specific kind of idols that you looked up to in racing. Three fellow French Canadians as well. Really iconic names. Patrick Carpentier, which people know from NASCAR, but he had an illustrious career outside of NASCAR in America. Yep. Jacques Villeneuve, who obviously spent some time in stock cars in NASCAR as well. And also, last but not least, Alex Tagliani, who's won a couple races in the Xfinity Series. I think he's made a couple cup starts as well. Um, and all these guys have also run in the Pinty Series. They are exceptional wheelmen behind the wheel of a race car. That's a pretty solid trio if you say, <laughs> oh, who do I look up to in racing or who do I try to emulate? I mean, that is a solid list you got there, Alex. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're, they're definitely the people that, um, you know, that uh, influenced me the most. When I, when I was a kid, they were running that players program with Andy Carr for, for Carpentier and uh, Taggy Annie and Villeneuve was running Formula One. So they're definitely like they were Canadians and they were performing at the highest level. So that's mm-hmm. definitely what uh, gave me interest. But I'd say like probably the two, my two idols are probably like, Jill, Jill Villeneuve is definitely like, I think the one that put a Canadian motorsport on the map. I mean, yeah. everything he did, he was he was something else. And uh, one guy that I really looked up to him mean, was a uh, one Pablo Montoya when when like when he was in his Formula One years. I was really the guy that I was I was looking it up to, and it, it, it kind of translated to to NASCAR. So it kind of yeah, I kind of went through the same path, but but uh, no, for sure I think but I think Jill is Jill Villeneuve was a, was is a big part. I mean of of, of all mo- motorsports of all drivers that. That that's trying to make it, or or or, or that had the interest of going and racing because he's uh, he's definitely put motorsport on the map here in Canada. Yeah, I mean the, the circuit's named after him for good reason, right? Have <laughs> Have you gotten the chance to talk to? I mean, I assume you've talked to Alex because you race with them in Pinties, right? Have you got the chance to talk to Jacques and maybe even Carpentier as well, and just pick their brain on racing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've talked to Alex because I've raced with him for a couple of years in the Pinty series. I, Spoke with Jock a couple of times too because he came to race Pinties and we were uh, not teammates, but we had the same sponsor uh, for two races, I think, in Trois Rivières. And, um, and Patrick, Patrick Capronti, I talked to him a lot because he's making, he's a, uh, he's an announcer on the uh, it's RDS here in, in Quebec, a, a French uh, the, the French station that that uh, that broadcasts the NASCAR races. So we cool. we talked back and forth quite a bit. But 
No, they're definitely all really good people. I mean, I, I get it. I think I, like Patrick, I mean, everybody loves Patrick. Patrick's a really nice guy and he's, he's always fun. I mean, whenever I got some questions, I remember back a couple of years ago, where I, it was my first stock car race in the rain. And I just called him and want to know a couple of tips here and there just because I've, I've never run a stock car in the rain. So he's, he's yeah. and he answered and he, you know, we probably spoke together for like half an hour and he, he's always, he's always right there. He's, pretty good guy and it's, it's fun to it's fun to have guys like him I have so much experience and that has accomplished so much to just take the phone and take some time to give some yeah. tips to the younger guys i wonder what he thought of racing in the rain at the at the coda that must have been crazy for him to watch <laughs> <laughs> no, it was yeah uh, I, I wish it kept raining there we qualified four there i know no, almost made the bowl run like, i think we were like two tenths off Kyle Bush on the pole yeah. so they would have then, uh, yep, it would have it would have been pretty fun. We were pretty solid there, even on a Friday we practice. But we uh, we blew we blew a shock like right off the bat. <laughs> we're just struggling all races. Our kind of luck. At least at least we're. I know it's kind of weird. All all the times we got good runs, we got some some bull some some stuff happening. But yeah, like weekends like this weekend, we 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 were struggling with the car, and we just everything went our way. We had a decent finish. So I wish our luck was re reverted reverting uh, yeah. a couple of times, so we could we could. Uh, you know, we could uh, we could take advantage of those good, good runs. That would that would be great. <laughs> Alex, do you still live in Canada? I mean, I said you you take some. You said that you take some time and you stay in Florida, but you still reside in Canada. Yep, yep. I'm still based here in Canada, in Saint Albert, Quebec, right next to Victoriaville, pretty much in the center of the state of Quebec here. But uh, that's like I said, I, I probably I, I try to keep pretty much the same pattern. I stay like nine, ten days in the states and come back here for four or five days, especially because of the, of the COVID restrictions here. And right. it's starting to be a little better, but, uh, I'm still, uh, I'm still on that, uh, on that pattern here for the next couple of months. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, because I mean, in normal circumstances, traveling across the border, all those times that must be tiring and just a logistical headache. And then yep. you add COVID to it. That is just upping it to the nth degree, but it sounds like you try to spend most of your time, especially during the racing season when there's back-to-back races in the state. So you don't have to worry about coming and going and getting your passport more of a workout. Yeah, for sure. And all the testing and I, I, I got to get negative tests back. Like when I, when I cross on each, each way. So it's now it's oh, wow. definitely a lot of logistics and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's big headaches for nothing. So that's why yeah. I try to, to limit the, the travels a little bit. So it makes it a little, uh, a little easier on me. When it was not COVID times before the pandemic and everything, did you travel from Canada for most of the races, or did you still do the fifty-fifty thing in Florida? No, like like that. No, I I used to travel a lot back in Fort Canada, and I I would stay in Florida a couple of times a year just to help my team out. But uh, I would like normal times, I would just go back and forth mm-hmm. here. But it's I mean at least Montreal is pretty pretty big hub, and it's like an hour hour and a half away from my house, so it's not. Yeah. Not too bad, but it's still a, all the crossing crossing the borders is never the easiest thing to do. But it, no, you gotta do what you gotta do. That's right, you gotta do what you gotta do. All right, I'll I'll get off the Canada stuff in a minute. I just gotta ask the one cliche thing: uh, Do you play hockey? Did you play hockey? Because that's an obvious question that I have to ask any Canadian that I come into contact with. Yeah, I played hockey quite a bit when I was younger, and I stopped. Mm-hmm. I stopped playing because when I got more serious into racing. But I, yeah, I still pl- I, I still played before COVID a lot here with, with my friends, and we were playing on some garage leagues, like we call just Love just to have some fun and hang hang out and one one or two night a week. But uh, I, I'm definitely pretty a big big Canadian fan, so we're pretty hyped right now. We're, we're yeah. in the semi semifinals, and 
almost make or pretty close to make it uh, to make it to the finals. So it'd be, it'd be it'd be a big thing. I mean, the, la- the last time they went to the finals and they won it was in '93. That's the year I was right. born. So it'd be pretty pretty great to see it again. But to see it for the first time, it would be uh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, I was negative three years old in '93, so I, I, I'm kind of rooting for the Habs though because you're playing the Golden Knights. So I'm a, I'm a Washington Capitals fan. I'm in the D.C. area, and we beat the Knights a few years back to win our our first Stanley Cup yeah. ever. So even though I don't want to pick on Vegas, and I know you had a funny tweet at Noah Gregson being like, "Yo, should we do a bet or something?" But I'll, I'll, I'm aboard the Habs train. I'll root for the Canadians for you. <laughs> oh, so but but we 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 got to stand behind the underdogs because they now I mean yeah. they, they've they've been on a on a pretty rough streak in the last 15 20 years and they've and then and they've been the most dominant team in the uh, history right. in the history of the league so uh, I feel like they they got to they got to be back on on top yeah Sunday. get back and to the I glory days we need we yeah. need we need Alex to see a championship when he's actually able to appreciate it okay yeah for sure <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's talk a little bit more racing, Alex. I, I was doing yep. some research. I know that you won Rookie of the Year in the championship in Super Trucks, and that was back in 2009. Probably feels like forever ago at this point. <laughs> uh, and you were also the youngest champ in ACT. I don't know if it's ACT or ACT, but that was back in 2014. I'm just curious, you know, what were those years like for you? Because, you know, from the outsider's perspective, we see you racing full-time in the Xfinity Series in America now. But at that point, did you have your eye on that at all? Or was it more so just, I'm having fun here. The Canada racing culture is great. This is all I've ever known. I have no aspirations of doing anything but this. Pinties is the goal. What was the mindset for you back in those times when you were winning and starting? Yeah, definitely when I was running a lot of late models. I was running a late model for a team in based in Quebec City. A little more sport team. Then we were racing a lot. I, mean, I was racing 30, 35, 40, 40 races a year. Wow. Here in Quebec, and we were racing up north, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, and uh, all all those states up north next to the border. So um, now we definitely my, my mindset was always on Pinties. I'll I've been trying to run some uh, some full time stuff in Pinties for a couple of years, probably since uh, 2012 or twenty thirteen. That's been that's when my focus. I mean, we were running late models. We I wanted to win some championship at some big races and. In late model, but my main focus was to gather some sponsors, gather some partners around me, just to go run a, in the Penny Series, and I'll hopefully want, hopefully win it and have a shot at going down south in the states and run, run some. I don't know. I, I never really thought realistically I was going to be able to go run. I mean, for a Canadian, it was pretty tough to to hope to go run an Xfinity or trucks, but uh, that I mean, it it was my goal, but. I mean, it was pretty far. I, I never thought it would have been really, really, really possible because seeing him, I mean, it was so far away from us and it, the opportunities were pretty rare. So, uh, but it all turned out pretty good. I, I feel like, I mean, definitely Canon has been a huge, huge help in my career. I mean, they've, they've, they've backed me. They, they, they were they were the reason why I've, I've started running in the Pinty service full time. And uh, they're the reason why I'm still here in Xfinity. So they're definitely a big, big partner of mine and uh, can be appreciative enough for, for their support. Yeah, so thanks to Can-Am, you ran your four, first full-time Pinty season, I believe it was 2016. You did well. I think you finished seventh in the point standings, and then you turn around the next year, and boom, championship, yep. right? What a year yeah, that was for you. I mean, at that point, you probably are thinking to yourself, you know, look, I- I've raced in Canada all my life. I came up with the local short track ranks. I had my eye on the Pinty series. This is the pinnacle of Canadian motorsport here at Stock Car Racing. And now I'm a champion, you know, what did that mean to you? Knowing how difficult the Pinty series was to get into a B to win races there, the competition that you were up against. I mean, legends of the sport. 
and then to win the championship. What did that mean for you at that time? Uh, it was huge. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was what I've been working for for the last for the last six, seven, eight years, and that's what I that's what I wanted to achieve. And uh, I was a it it, it it was like I said, it was huge. And it was a big season. We won like five races and yeah, finishing the top five in eleven of thirteen races. We were so consistent. We were always up there, and and it was a good battle there all, all the way till the end with uh, with my with uh, Kevin Lacroix. We were at a, we had a huge fight all year long. So now it was we were on our toes all year. I mean, I worked two really big competitors. <laughs> We never we we didn't give an inch to each other all year. So now it was a uh, it, it it was great. I mean, it was like I said, it was what I was I had been working for for so long. And the year before in sixteen, we we were we started out the year like really strong. We had three poles in the four first races, and we were yeah we were I mean racing for wins in, in every races, and that was in sixteen. And we it just all fell true. And the second half of the year, we had all kind of issues. So just to come back in seventeen and. The, win five races and being a top five in pretty much all the races it was um it was a, it was a pretty big statement and uh i mean it, it was insane to go the next year i like the, the deal i made with canem and uh and my car owner it was like if we if we won there in, in the penny series we were going to go around xfinity full time so it everything worked out and we went into xfinity in 18 and had a pretty solid year i mean for an underdog team new team and uh yeah and for a rookie so and i was it, it it definitely turned out pretty good and it, it gave uh Second life to my career, <laughs> definitely yeah, that, that Penny's so. championship. That's it. That, that Penny's championship definitely turned out well. I want I want to go back to that year that you did win though, because you went up against legendary names. I mean, you know, take it with a grain of salt because I'm American, right? I'm I'm not integrated <laughs> with the Pinty series as much as you or anybody up there would be, but I watch it enough to know that Caden Lapsovich, Kevin Lacroix, DJ Kennington, LP Dumoulin. You know, Andrew Ranger, I think Tagliani was in the championship out yep. for a little bit that year as well. I mean, these are legendary names in the series, right? Th- these are your Jimmy Johnsons, your Tony Stewart's, your Jeff Gordons of the Pinty series that you went up against and you beat them head to head. So getting there to the pinnacle, winning the championship, you just described what that meant to you. But to do it against those drivers and those guys that I'm sure you develop relationships and yep. friendships with over the years, that probably made the championship for you so much sweeter because you know how legendary they are in Canadian motorsport and how good they are behind the wheel. No, for sure. I mean, like you're saying, like Taggy and Ranger, that was like the guys I was looking at when I was a kid, I was looking up to them. They were yeah. running Indy, IndyCar and Champ and Champ Car and uh, Formula Atlantic and all that stuff. And you're and beating was, them now. Yeah, I was, and then we go out to head with them and I just saw the year like that. No, for sure, it's, it, it, it was huge. It was, it, it was pretty, uh, but like I said, I like I. I, I didn't really realize it until it was over because that that season was so intense with me and Lacroix. Yeah. We I mean we had we had a battle all year long. It was we were always going back and forth in points, and it got it got it got to uh, it got pretty physical there near, near the end of the year. So it was a uh, it was definitely a, a year I'll remember for my entire life. That's that, that's for sure. My first NASCAR championship and the the, the way it, everything turned out. It was a, a dream come true. And you mentioned, I didn't know the backstory behind that. Canon basically said, hey, win the title. Let's move to America. Let's do some Xfinity racing. And that's exactly yep. what happened the following year. So let's fast forward to 2018. Full Xfinity Series slate for Mario Goslin. So, so that's how it came about, right? You had this on the table for you. It was right there for the taking. And you delivered on that promise. So I'm sure people at Can-Am were probably thinking, all right, we're champions. Now we're going Xfinity racing. But then they also probably had to say, 
oh man, our wallets are going to take a hit because we're going <laughs> Xfinity racing. So yeah. they probably were like, oh, this is awesome, but wow, we're going to be spending more money. But as you know, Xfinity, the competition is unbelievable, right? America, it's a bit of a different racing culture specifically than the Pinty series. So how did you respond and how did you enjoy your first full-time year racing in Xfinity? And I'm sure Can-Am liked it for the exposure that they got as well because now they're a mainstay in the sport. Yep, uh, for sure. I mean, it was it was huge. Definitely, like it was like a, a big adaptation with going on bigger tracks and definitely. And we even the short tracks were way bigger than than the short tracks <laughs> we run in, in Canada. But uh, no, it, it, it it was a dream come true for sure. Just traveling back and forth every week, and I mean, it's definitely like really intense. It's a really intense schedule. 30, 33 race weekends a year, and uh, but I, I really enjoyed it. When we started out the year in Daytona, and we had a really good run there we ran out of gas on a, on a green white checker we were six or seven i think it was it was just surreal just to start out our year my first race in, in daytona and and just i've said probably like three times the size drive. of any track you'd been on at yeah. that point yeah and it's different i mean it's way different than everything i've ever done with draft yeah. side draft and get uh, everybody's bumper to bumper and there's so much stuff happening so now it was a it was surreal for sure, but uh, no, it turned out really good. I mean, we we then we went on a mile and a half, and I didn't have a lot of experience. And we went, I think, to Atlanta the first mile and a half, and we finished like 17th or 18th, and that was best finish of our of our team ever on a on a mile and a half, and by by a lot. Like I think it was like 23rd or 24th before that. So so it was not. It was definitely a. It was definitely huge. We like uh, me and the team. We everybody picked up a lot throughout the year, and we I think we I finished like 17th in points. So it was. It was great. We had some huge runs on, on the road courses and even on the short tracks. I mean, I think the fifth or sixth race of the year was Bristol. And we went there when we, fin we finished like 12th or 13th. And it was like, it was huge. I mean, it was a, there were a couple of cars that fell out, but still we were like the, the first underdog team. And it was, it was, it was really huge. And always, we had some, definitely some, a lot of highs, a couple of lows, but we definitely had a lot of highs there throughout the year. And just like, the, the Roval is definitely the, the, the highest one of, of all. We, we, yeah. we went there when we had, it was the first time NASCAR was going there and we had so much speed there like late in the year and qualify, we, we qualified fourth or fifth, I think. And in the first round, we were second, like a thousand off Austin Cindric. And it was, <laughs> I mean, for, for a team like us, for, for DGM racing, it was a, it's big. It was, it, it was dream come true. It was, it was not something that, it, that was, that was supposed to happen. So it was, it was definitely a, it, it, it was a dream. I mean, it, I've never taught, I mean, maybe run a couple of races here and there, but not not to run full time for points and run every week and travel all, all across the states and just just for racing, it was a it was great. Yeah, I mean, your Twitter bio says "living the dream," and the way that you <laughs> described it there, it it sounds like you were because it it kind of is cliche to say you're a kid from Canada who just wanted to race and had your sights set on the Pinty Series and you didn't even have any aspirations of going racing in the Xfinity Series. That was that was a bridge too high and too far to cross but when it actually did happen for you so i'm curious right like you guys get to daytona in 2018 right you're unloading off the truck you know you're running a full xfinity schedule and your first race is at this behemoth two and a half mile high bank super speedway you've never really drafted before what's going through your mind at that point are you saying oh my god i may i may have bit off too much to chew here or were you ready for the challenge yeah man i mean you're never ready definitely when you yeah, I've never run any anything any anything close to that. I mean, I ran I right. think one mile and a half, and I won. I, I ran at Charlotte, and I ran at Phoenix the year before, and I can sixteen, and one race at Charlotte in seventeen, right. and then I'm, I'm there on Daytona, and I mean, there's not there's nothing to prepare you for that. You're just trying to gather it all in your head as quick as possible. But I was I was pretty fortunate. I had a 
Tab Boyd as my spotter. He's, I think he's one of the best in the business, and he's got so much experience, and he's so calm behind. He's so calm. He was so calm in the radios, and he helped me so much, like getting fit to that and just getting me uh, comfortable in the traffic and trying try, 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 try to explain me as much stuff as possible so I could yeah. tr I try to gather it up in my head as quick as, as possible. But uh, no, I was there. I mean, you, you, you can't you can't be ready. You can't go there and say, oh, I'm, no. I, I, I watched some videos. I did this. I did that. I went on iRacing. There's nothing like a real yeah. deal going on a super speedway. It's 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 yeah. it's a complete different world. I can tell you that it's all the hair moving around and cars, the car cars everywhere. So but it was uh, it was it was huge. And I mean, we there was a big, big it was a big, big wreck. I think with five or six to go, and we barely made it through. That's where we end. We were like six or seven. It was, it was just a, it was surreal with all my family there and friends. It was a, it was a big thing. <laughs> yeah, must have been a prideful thing too for your family to be there with you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, everybody was pretty, uh, pretty pumped up there. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So let's fast forward to the following year, 2019. You ran part time in Xfinity that year, and then went back and ran a full Pinty Series schedule. And then last year, 2020, you had a full Xfinity year. And this year, uh, you're hopefully running a full Xfinity schedule, yep. run every race so far. But going back to 2019, you know, it's it's after your first full Xfinity year. You get a top 20 finish in the points. You run really well. You're competitive. And then you go back and you're on a partial Xfinity schedule back to full Pinty's. What was the thought process there? Was that a Can-Am decision? Was that a U decision? Why scale back a little bit before then scaling back up? Yeah, it was. Um, it was a like Canam. They they took a break for a year. They were not with us in nineteen, and that's why I, I try. I, I, I definitely my like my main goal was to go back and Xfinity, but it just it just didn't work out. So we gotcha. decided to go back, go back, do some pinny stuff. We actually missed one race there at the end of the year when I I, I went to run the Roval, and it, it turned out pretty good for us. But it, it did. <laughs> it's yeah, we finished six, I think. But it was uh, no, it was just. I mean, I the the. the I would have liked to run to run us some Xfinity back, but it just didn't work on the just didn't work on the <laughs> on the sponsorship side, the partnership side. So, and I didn't I didn't really want to go there just to just to show up, and I wanted to go there to race just like we did last year and this year and in eighteen. That that's the like what, what DGM racing. That's what we're we're doing. We got enough money just to, to be able to perform and put the tires uh, tires on the car and get the right. cars better so i just i just didn't want to go there go go there and be in a situation where we just uh, we were just just there in survival mode all year so uh yeah. i was just it was tough decision to scale back for sure i, I would have wanted to, to build on build to build on something and then come back in 19 full time but uh, i mean we, we still ran i think like 10 races and we had some really really good runs so it it worked out we we got her some more sponsorship and we came back in 2020 full time and this year we're gonna be full time too, so it, it, I think it, it's still it was a little setback, but it, it, it helped us come back. I think stronger uh, for twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. Minor setback for a major comeback. That's what we say yep. here in, in the states. <laughs> so that's what we like to hear. Um, I don't know if it was just me being completely oblivious. Pro probably that's what it is most of the time. Um, but doing some research, you know, looking at DGM race, and we've mentioned it a couple times. I don't know why I didn't know that Mario Gosselin was French Canadian. I, I just thought yeah. that he was American for some reason. And then I did the research and I'm like, oh, this makes total sense now. That's yeah. why Alex has been with DGM and Mario's been your crew chief, right? Th this makes sense here. So yep. were you guys friends before the Xfinity opportunity came about? Like, did you guys have that prior relationship? And that's kind of what made this opportunity make so much sense for you guys? Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm, I've known Mario since like 2009 or 10. He helped me like okay, with yeah. my late models when I was when I was younger, when I started late models, he 
we 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 drove our late model down in Florida. We remade we we stripped the entire car and made. Well, I've always worked with him in late models, I and mean, even in my truck days. And this from that's why I said like probably like seven or eight years before I went in Xfinity, and he was he was my crew chief in Pinties in seventeen when we right, won. He, right. came, he came down to Canada and helped us out. So uh, I would definitely have a long relation together. He's taught me a lot, driving and preparing cars and setups and just getting get, getting some cars. Uh, right on the track and getting out to drive these cars, all, all that stuff he's learned. I mean, we, Mario was a really, really good driver too back in the day. So he's got all these specs. He knows, he knows how to get, uh, get the cars ready. He knows how to drive them. So it's a, he's a, he's a pretty good teacher. Yeah. You know, I hear a lot of stories about Mario from uh, some of the mid-pack and, and underfunded Xfinity Series teams. I think Tommy Joe Martins has talked about it at length, basically saying like, Mario is such an underappreciated person in the Xfinity <laughs> garage because he knows so much. He has done so much. He continues to do so much. And your guys' team, too. Like, DGM is no slouch. Josh yep. Williams has done great this year. You've done great this year. I mean, Mario, I think he's been in the car a handful of times over the last few years as well. So he yep. has built up a really solid, serviceable, respectable Xfinity Series program. And to have you as kind of the flagship driver driving the 36 car full-time this year and last year as well, that's got to be a point of pride for you going back as far as you did with Mario and continuing that relationship now, being the face of the organization. That must be pretty cool. No, for sure. I mean, like you said, me and Josh, I mean, we've been there for, we've been there since, since 17 or 18. Like I, we, we, right. we both started running full-time in 18, but we still, we both run a couple of races before that. But uh, now we definitely build on some, something huge. I feel like we've improving year in, year in, year out. And we're always uh, getting better as a, as an organization. And we're, I mean, we're, we're we're definitely the underdogs. We don't have we don't have much employees. We're starting to get a little more employees in the shop, mm -hmm. but uh, last couple of years we only had only had two or three full time guys, and, wow. and that's that's really tough running two to three cars sometimes. So uh, uh, we're I mean definitely just like every every place is every team, and I mean there's some some stints that are a little tougher. We're uh, <laughs> guys are working hard and they're working long long days, and that, that's that's why like I, I go to the shop with them and I try, I try to help them. Especially with the situation, like I was explaining, it makes it easy to travel, and at the same time, I can, can try. I can try to, to take a little load off their shoulders because they, they've got so much, mm -hmm. so much stuff going on at the shop. But um, no, it's 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 great. Just like you said, just uh, to be of being with with DGM since the beginning and just building year in year out. And just, yeah. I mean, we're we're there, and we even mile and a half. We're we're racing for top 15s, top 20s, and we we don't mm -hmm. have, we the only we. I mean, we're smaller. We're really small. I mean, we're a small team, small budget, and. I mean, we're 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 competing with bigger with the with the big big guys out there, so it's you know it's always a a good feeling, and then that, that, that's what keeps uh, keeps us doing it. Just just um, the motivation of uh, accomplishing a little more with with less. Your guys' shop is still down in Florida, right? That's why you head down there. Yep. Yeah, it's in Lake Lake Wells, Florida. Yeah. Yeah, that's what Close I thought. To. Right. So, I mean that that's kind of an underappreciated thing as well, right? Like Mario and you guys at DGM, you're doing this a on a shoestring budget. And B, not even in the hub in Charlotte. Yeah. You know, I mean, people know about Furniture Row in the Cup Series a few years ago. They were doing it in Denver. And, you know, there's a handful of teams. I mean, JD Motorsports works out of South Carolina. Yep. So does Jeremy Clements Racing. But, I mean, that's a couple-hour drive yeah. from Charlotte. I mean, Florida, it's, it's not far, far, but it's not close. So that's kind of an yep. underappreciated aspect of you guys as well. And as you mentioned, too, DGM, I mean, this is not like an underfunded bad Xfinity team. You guys are running top fifteen. You got a top five last year at the Roval. Like this is this is a this is a good organization that I think people just 
don't know too much about. That's why I wanted to have you on, Alex, yep. honestly, because <laughs> I didn't know too much about you. All I knew was yep. like the Pinty series success, and now you've been in Xfinity for a while. But I didn't know any of this stuff about Mario. I didn't know this stuff about two employees full-time last year. And now, yep. I mean, you're still reside in Canada, but you're still going down to help everybody out. It's an underdog story, but that's all you've yep. kind of really ever known in racing. No, for sure. I mean, it's <laughs> like I said, Sometimes it's, I mean, it's definitely, we all, we definitely have some, some tough stints. It's a lot, it's, it's a lot of work, especially for the, the, the guys at the shop, they got a big load, sure. load on them. And even for me, just traveling back and forth. But at the end of the day, when we go there, when we finish like, like last year, we finished fourth at the Roval. And this year we went to Darlington and racing the top 12, 15 all day. And went went to finish 10 there at the end, it's that's, that, that's our, that, that's our payday. That's, that's what makes us realize that we're putting the efforts. But at the end of the day, that's a, uh, results are coming in and it's it feels it feels feels great a lot of people also may know your name mario's name your team because of what happened i think last year that had to do with the daytona road course bad memory i have to bring it up though (laughs) so you know if, if for those that don't remember you know alex mario and the team they got penalized because they were participating in an scca test at the daytona road course NASCAR found out about it. They said, this is not allowed under the testing policy. And as you know, I mean, when, when a team appeals a penalty, it is very unlikely that that appeal is going to be overturned. And i got to be honest, too, with a smaller team, I thought, eh, you know, they probably just overlooked the rule. NASCAR rules with an iron fist. They'll just, you know, it sucks, but they're going to lose 50 grand. 75 yeah. points is what it is. And then all of a sudden, I see the, the penalty's overturned. And I'm thinking, oh, Mario and Alex may have known something that we didn't know. So <laughs> clearly you guys had something up your sleeve, but I know that it also had to be pretty stressful too, right? I mean, what was that whole timeline period like during the test and the immediate aftermath of the test and then the relief of knowing that you guys ended up not really doing anything wrong? Yeah, no, I'm sure it definitely sucked. It was a rough week or two. <laughs> I mean, we... Uh... Because we, we we had asked for permission, and we, we we would have never. It was it was SCCA race. It was not like it was not a te- open test day. We were just exactly. racing with yeah, with other cars on the track, and uh, I mean we asked for permission, and we we had it. So we just decided. I mean we we were never going to go there in Daytona Daytona Beach, Florida, right next to NASCAR headquarters, and and assume nobody's going to know about it. Right, uh, right. Xfinity. Like so, uh, we 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 knew, and that's why we asked, and we went there, and. They called us when I went when I was on track. Told us to pull out. We pulled out, loaded, and went went home. And I mean, we we we, we did the right thing because we, we we were we were allowed to go there. And they pulled they told us to pull out, and we still pulled out. You followed we, all we, the rules. We followed all the rules because I mean we we didn't we didn't know why they told us to pull out because they, they gave us permission a couple of days earlier. But at the end of the day, that's what we, we made our case. Me and me and Mario made our case with the, the committee, and uh, they overturned. Uh, they overturned a decision. It was, I was, it was pretty stressful because I mean, fifty grand for us and seventy-five points. It would have that's a lot killed us. I mean, it would not only the money, but like the the points because the points would have yeah. put us out of the money. Also, we would have lost money for uh, I don't know three, four, five, six weeks yeah. in a row. It would have end us end up by costing us like, you know, a lot more money than fifty grand. So, no, it definitely uh, it was definitely a stressful stressful week or two. But I'm really happy we. Me and Mario, we sat there in, the, in, the, in, the, in that Zoom Zoom meeting with NASCAR and uh, on the appeal program, and uh, we were uh, really happy when we got the callback. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I was happy for you guys too because I figured that there had to be some form of miscommunication going on at there. So yep. I'm glad that the stress didn't last too long and you guys got the appeal one. So good on you for that. Okay, I also saw uh, something that was interesting to me because a lot of NASCAR drivers in the States, they do not have college degrees. I believe the only Cup Series driver to have one is Ryan Newman, and it's an engineering from Purdue. But I saw that you have a high-performance technology degree from UNOH, which is a sponsor at a lot of different races, University of Northern Ohio. Is that what it is? Yep, right? Northwestern Ohio. Northwestern, Northwestern Ohio. Ohio. That's right. That's right. So why, why did you choose to do that? Was that a conscious decision? Did you do that before you really started racing intensely? Did you do that on the side as you were racing? What, what was the decision-making process like for that? No, it was, I mean, I, I did it pretty late. I mean, I did it in 16 and 17 okay. and 18. So uh, I was there full-time when I won my championship in Pinties. I was traveling back and forth. So it was not, it was something I, I wanted to do for a long time. I mean, I, I was thinking about it and I was looking at, I've been looking into that for a couple of years and I just want, I mean, I, I thought, I thought, I thought it helped me as a driver and it helped me, it helped me communicate with my team too, just by trying to get my uh, English a little better and all that stuff. So uh, I just decided to make the move, uh, to make the move in 2016, and I, I started there. I think in November 2016, and I graduated in June of 2018. So, uh, cool. I was a, it was, it, it was a good experience for sure. I mean, I, I learned a lot of stuff there, and like I, I knew it would beneficiate me as a driver and as a, and I, just if I wanted to go, if I want to make it further, even just, just speaking the language, it would just help me and just I'm trying to understand the cars and the and the basics around it. So uh, it was a. It was huge because even like it's crazy to think that at 17 I was there the entire year and that's the year I won my championship and I was racing in Canada so I was wow. traveling back and forth but I was 100 percent focused on racing that's all I did I was I, I was working I was going to school learning about it in the week and uh, and in the weekends I was racing my my Pindy's car so it was a uh, it, it was a uh, it was pretty awesome experience. <laughs> it must have been pretty stressful too because i mean college is not easy you got homework you yep. got tests you got to memorize this stuff you're trying to learn the language a little better yep. and on the side you're just winning a pinty's championship that's just a casual flex by you wow that must be yeah. stressful yeah for sure but at least like it was a racing college so we had we had a school from monday to thursday because a lot of people mm -hmm. would travel to a racetrack on friday and right they go race their weekend so that that, that helped up helped out a lot just uh just to always have the, the Friday off, but uh, no, it was definitely yeah. a, it was a lot. It was a a lot a lot of stuff going on, but uh, I guess when you stay busy, that's when you you keep your head into it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'd rather be busy than bored. That's what I always say. Yeah. It keeps you keeps you good. So, what is what is a high performance technology degree or major? What is what does that teach you? You know, like for somebody like me who knows about the sport but doesn't know the ins and outs of it, how did it help you? behind the wheel did it help you learn more about the race car did it help you learn aerodynamics you know like what did you learn that you were able to take and put into your racing all the basics i mean from all it from from from, from the ground up i mean for everything that's on a race car if it's motor chassis fabricate fabrication and it's all flexing all the parts and all i mean it's it's everything from from a to z so it's yeah i mean we we definitely we i mean we we, we learned a lot we but we learned mostly about the basics but uh it just helped me understand uh, the physics and everything around around a race car, and just sometimes you get a, you, I mean, just to get a little more feel in the car, also, and just be able to give a, a little better feedback to your crew chief and your team, and just make the car go faster. That's that that's that's what's important. That that's what a good driver is at the end of the day. If if you you can't be the best driver in the world, but if you can't say what 
these kids say what the car's doing to, to make it better, you're not, you're never going to be, you're never going to be the fastest driver in the world. So it's that, 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 that's, that, that, that's what was important to me just to, just to know as, as much as possible about the car. And I, I had a pretty good, I had a pretty good knowledge of, uh, of the race car before that too. I, I've always been re really hands on on my cars and building my mm -hmm. stuff and working on my stuff. So it just helped me get a, get that, uh, another, another little hedge and, uh, just to, just, just to be able to communicate better with my team and get have a better understanding of, a, of my race car. I don't know how good your English was back then, but it's really good now. So like, <laughs> did you struggle with the language barrier at all as you were, as you were starting school? Was that like a big thing for you to try to learn? Not too bad. I mean, I, I was, I, I was fortunate enough. Like when I was younger, my parents sent me to like private schools. I, I like, you know, when, when I was really young, yeah, really young. So like from, I don't know, from probably seven, eight years old at 12, 13, okay. I, I was going like during like an immersion school. So it, it really helped me get, learn my English. And I've, I've always been racing and just communicate, communicating with people in the States and yeah. or, or in Ontario when I was younger, I was racing go-karts on there. So I, it's definitely, it's definitely a lot easier to learn when you're a kid, when you're, when you're young than, uh, yeah. than uh, at an older age. But that, that's why I, even though I mean, I definitely got even better from, when, when, when I moved down in uh, in Ohio for for two years, and I, I was I'm, that that's what I was speaking twenty four seven. So I, I definitely had to be better, but uh, I I definitely had a, a decent uh, baseline before I got there. <laughs> yeah. All right. A few more questions, and I'll let you run. The one thing that I think a lot of people may be interested to know, because you know we talked about Montreal, and that kind of ties into this question here, the Pinty series. People have been talking about street courses in NASCAR and, oh, Chicago, the virtual street course, is that going to be a reality? Or, oh, are they going to run around the Las Vegas Coliseum or the LA Coliseum, right? The Pinty Series does this, and they do it well, and it's so fun to watch, and the Pinty Series cars are somewhat similar to what the next-gen cars are going to look like, right? So you have raced on street courses in a stock car. Is it possible to do for NASCAR in the cup series or the Xfinity series or the truck series is street coursing is street course racing possible to do. Cause you have done it. No, I enjoyed it. Like I said, but it's, I mean, it's feasible, but it's definitely really challenging. Not, not much passing zones and uh, no, no margin of error. That's definitely the, the biggest thing. And if the, I mean, we, we were lucky. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely really easy to probably uh, jam the track because there's walls everywhere so if there's a big accident it's there's no no way out but uh, i mean the penny mm -hmm. series we've always been pretty uh, pretty lucky on, on that part but uh oh it'd be it'd definitely be pretty interesting <laughs> what do we got to do to get nascar to go back to montreal because it was such a great track the fans come out in droves yep. it was an amazing event i mean do you got any connections or something because we need <laughs> to talk to somebody and get them back oh no for sure that'd be that'd be huge i mean we've i don't i mean i i I don't. I I know some people. I mean, I've, I, we've always we've been talking like with racing people around here. Just, yeah, uh, we would definitely need to, to get that uh, that date back on the, on the calendar. But uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. We got to do anything that that we need to make it back to make to make it back on the calendar. It'd be it'd be really huge. I mean, I mean for NASCAR and even for us and the Canadian drivers and for, and for my sponsors yeah. and for everybody. I mean, it's a huge event and it's uh, right there in Montreal downtown. And it's I mean I mean it'd be a it probably it definitely be a game changer for uh, for us uh, Canadian drivers. For sure, I really want it back. It was one of my favorite events. That in Mexico City, like yeah. just just the novelty of going somewhere new, going to a different country, having the fans come out, new tracks. It's 
It's yep. something awesome. So I know that if we do go back to Montreal, you will be among the favorites to win. So I know, <laughs> I know, I know you want that back on the schedule yep. for multiple reasons. All right, let's uh, let's close with a question about this season in general. For the rest of the year, you know, we got a handful of races left until the Xfinity Series playoffs begin. I know you're on the outside looking in at the moment, but we got a handful of road courses coming up. It's not out of the realm of possibility for a team like yours to sneak out a win at one of those tracks. You've seen Jeremy Clements do it at Road yep. America, and you have run well at a lot of road courses. Finished, I think, 11th at Mid-Ohio earlier this year. Yeah. Got the top five at the Roval. Really good finishes there. So what are the goals and expectations for you guys for the rest of the year as we approach the playoffs and then for the rest of the year afterwards as well? I, I, I mean, I definitely think that our only shot to make the playoff is to go still a win somewhere. I mean, mm -hmm. I kind of knew, I kind of knew going into season two because I, I mean, you can see that there's more competitive cars this year than there's so more. Uh, yeah. the, the the field is deeper with um, the 16 car that's full time, the yeah. two car that's full time also, and a bunch of other. There's a bunch more. There's more cars uh, in uh, top tier teams that are racing full time. But uh, mm -hmm. well, like you said, we, I mean, we finished 11 in Ohio, but we should we we got spun on that green white checker. We had a really solid run there all day and. I feel like, uh, I mean, our if if everything goes right, we we got a shot. I mean, it's really tough to go beat the twenty two and the sixteen there on the road courses, but uh, yeah, you never know. It rains if it didn't, or we just hit the setup right on, and it's it, it don't take much. It's just uh, sometimes we're close, but we're just not close enough. But I feel like uh, that, that that that's our that's our only shot. But it, it it can be feasible. I'm not I'm not taking it out. I mean, I feel like we yeah. with the runs we've had on our road courses in the last couple of years, and even this year, we uh, we always bring some good stuff. And I, I have a I really enjoy doing it. And I've I've always I always get there. Like I always uh, do a little extra preparation whenever I'm going on road courses at, on iRacing and, and studying videos and stuff like that. And I will, I, I feel like we're uh, we're always uh, on our A game. So I just hope uh, we can uh, we can put it all together and. Uh, and go still one somewhere it'd be a it'd be a it'd be great i mean it'd be the best feeling in the world for me for us for me <laughs> yeah i bet well i'll close with this um i know that getting to the xfinity series you mentioned i mean that was a dream come true competing and and running up front winning that's a dream come true so one would think that the next logical step would be to go up into the nascar cup series is that a goal that you have? Is that an aspiration that you have to maybe make a start or maybe even try to run a handful of races eventually full time in NASCAR's top series? Is that a goal for you? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's a goal, but I feel, I feel like right now, if I can be just more competitive, I just want to go there and run an Xfinity and be able to chase some wins every week. That's that, that'd be probably my, uh, my goal before, before going to cup. I just, I just, I, I, I want to be competitive. I want to, I want to be able to win a week in week out and, that's all. That's all I've raced all my life. That's I've won, I've won championship everywhere I race. So I, I feel like, I mean we're definitely gain, gaining. We're getting better every week, and we're getting better at all, all every year. But uh, I just I just want to be in a situation where I can uh, I can go out there and uh, and have the the resources and the equipment to win every week. That be my uh, short to middle uh, middle term goal. Well, people definitely know your name, and now I hope they know a little bit more about you and your story, Alex. It was great to catch up with you, great to learn more about you and your career. Wishing you nothing but the best moving forward, especially to your Canadians, because I'm all aboard the Habs train now, all right? <laughs> oh, yeah, big game tonight. Wish we can uh, go take the lead back in the series. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go Habs and go Alex. That's what we like. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And we're back. 
Hope you guys enjoyed that chat with Mr. LeBay. Want to give a real big shout out to him, obviously, for the time and Dominique for helping coordinate that conversation. Thank you guys both so much for the time and the effort. I really do appreciate it, and I hope the listeners do as well. We'll be watching them this weekend at Pocono. We're looking forward to hearing from them soon. So let's talk about Pocono, a doubleheader weekend of action for the Cup Series, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on both Saturday and Sunday for the Cup Series. You got the Xfinity race on Sunday morning, the truck race on Saturday morning, early afternoon, I should say, for both of those. I mean, I don't really know what else to say in terms of previewing because Larson's probably going to win at least one of the races, if not both. Hendrick's probably going to win both as well, to be honest. I do like the doubleheader concept, though. We had it in place last year, but I think that with fans this year, we'll see how it plays in terms of how they enjoy it, getting a lot of bang for their buck. It eliminates another race weekend for them, but it shortens and condenses the schedule for NASCAR, and I think that will be a valuable piece of data moving forward as NASCAR tweaks the schedule a little bit more. They want the schedule to be shorter. I hope that they want the races to be shorter. So maybe having other doubleheader weekends at different tracks, that could work if they see that this model at Pocono Raceway works as well. And I wrote a little bit about that for frontstretch.com and NASCAR Mailbox this week. So as always, be sure to go check that out. And my TikTok, or as uh, some boomers call it, my Tic Tacs. Look, that's of the week. Cue that funky music, white boy. Ryan Eversley is making his cup debut at Road America for Rick Ware Racing. Austin Dillon's running a couple Xfinity races at Watkins Glen and Indianapolis for Our Motorsports. Alex Bowman signed a two-year contract extension with Hendrick through 2023, as expected. Watkins Glen, they are going to have fully open grandstands for their weekend coming up in August. Colleg Racing, as expected, purchased not one, but two charters for the 2022 season. Justin Haley will run full-time in one of those entries. That was a bit surprising that they got two. Eddie DeHunt, remember the spotter that got suspended indefinitely by NASCAR? He's been reinstated because his charges were dismissed due to insufficient evidence. Innocent until proven guilty, people. Saints All-Pro running back Alvin Kamara. Remember, he was involved in the sport with Ryan Vargas a little bit earlier this year. He's been hired by NASCAR as the first-ever growth and engagement advisor. So that's pretty cool. He's on the payroll. Chase Elliott, he finished 13th at Nashville, but he was disqualified after five, count them, five loose lug nuts in post-race inspection. That means he loses his playoff point. He got in stage one as well. That's a bit costly of a penalty there. James Small, Martin Truex Jr.'s crew chief, was also fined 10 grand for a loose lug nut. Chris Gale fined $5,000 for the same infraction in Xfinity with Kyle Busch. Eric Jones is going to compete in the Slinger Nationals in July, first time he's doing so since 2018. Front Row Motorsports, they have Horizon Hobby hopping on them for three races. Now Michael McDowell's season is fully sold, so congratulations to them. Pocono Organics CBD is sponsoring Saturday's Cup race at Pocono Raceway. Comcast is donating 100 laptops to the Boys and Girls Clubs of Middle Tennessee in honor of Kyle Busch's 100th Xfinity Series win. A couple new paint schemes and sponsorship announcements. Spire and Corey LaJoy are partnering with Circle B Diecast. They got a Stroker Ace tribute that they're going to run at Kansas. That looks pretty cool. Unibet is sponsoring Kevin Harvick at Indianapolis and Martinsville in the Cup Series and also in the Xfinity Series at IMS. Crosley Brands is sponsoring Myatt Snyder in four Xfinity races for RCR. Doug Coby is going to drive for 
GMS racing in the Truck Series event at Bristol, the Stafford SRX winner, and also this past weekend's Riverhead Raceway winner in the Modified Tour. Tender Bison is sponsoring Zane Smith at Knoxville for GMS. Loris Hensemans is driving for DGM Racing at Pocono this weekend, a teammate of Alex's in the Wheel and Euro Series. That's where Loris competes. And Rash Fenway Racing and Acronis have extended their partnership, and they'll be on both Rash Fenway Racing cars this weekend at Pocono. That'll wrap things up, party people, for episode 113 of Victory Lane 2.0. Sounds trivial, I ask you every week, but if you like what you heard, do me a favor and leave a rating and a review on iTunes. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We should be available on Spotify, Google, SoundCloud, wherever you consume them. We should be there for you. And if we're not, let me know. I'll try to rectify that issue for you. Thank you again to Alex LeBay for hopping on this week. And I'll catch you guys back next week for another guest from the NASCAR world. But in the meantime, stay safe, get outside, get vaccinated if you haven't already. And I'll catch you on the flip side.